And our text today is at the end of this marvelous passage of the Bible that we commonly call uh, the encounter with the woman at the well. It's a very long story, and most of us, I think, are familiar with that story. If you're not familiar with it, you might want to read it this afternoon. But today, we are going to focus on the end of the story. And I've preached on this passage a number of times, but you, you know, it's a long passage. You get to the end, and you just quickly move over the end of it. So we're just going to camp out on the end of this great story starting in verses 28 through 30 and then verses 39 through 42 this woman has the encounter with Jesus then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything I ever did could this be the Christ They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So far, the reading from God's Word. And you'll see that text printed on the back of your sermon outline in your bulletin. How do you start a conversation with someone about spiritual things. Some of you know when I fly on an airplane, I I like to have the chance to the person who's locked into the seat next to me, maybe I pray, maybe I'll have a chance to share with them about the Lord. And last Sunday night, as we returned from our trip from Iowa on the last leg of the trip, from that great experience. I was with my son Andrew and his wife, my granddaughter Evelyn, and we had a marvelous weekend out in Iowa, but we're, it's late Sunday night. The plane's supposed to leave at 10 o'clock from Atlanta on the last leg, and we're seated in the last row of the back section of a full plane, and the guy next to me is agitated. He is not happy. Why? Because we're late. It's already late at night, and now the plane is late. And he has a connection to make. He's flying to South America. He's on his way to Guyana, and he, that plane leaves at 125, and we're supposed to arrive in New York at a little after midnight, and we're already 40 minutes late, and he's fuming. 45, 50, 60 minutes. We haven't left the gate. He's agitated. So we start talking about air travel and the frustrations of air travel. And I said to him, well, I pray you'll make your flight. I hope you don't mind. I like to pray for things, and maybe God will enable you to make your flight. He said he didn't mind that, and pretty soon... We were discussing spiritual things. 
I like to sometimes have a hook to get people talking. And I had my iPad in my lap, and I pulled up a photograph. And I love this photograph. Mike, can you dim these lights here? This is a picture of two of twins in the womb. And one says to the other, Hey, brother, do you think there's life after birth? Do you believe in mom? And the other one says, Nah, I don't believe those things. I'm an atheist. I mean, really, have you ever seen mom? That's a, that's a pretty powerful picture, isn't it? Do you believe in life after death? What is it like? And of course, we know that the womb is, is simple and a simple place to be. And once you're out of the womb, you're into the magnificent creation of this world. It's completely different. And you know the same is true about our emergence into heaven. And after we finish this life, who knows the glories of the dimensions that we experience. And the gentleman next to me, he said, I've always thought there must be something after death. And he was willing to talk. And I've always thought there must be an Almighty. And we were able to talk about the one who is the Almighty, Jesus Christ. And we were able to talk about the one who guarantees life after death, eternal life for his people. We had, we had a fascinating conversation. He, was a, he said he was a not very good Muslim and he, um, he didn't know very much about Jesus, and he wanted to know more. So, I had in my pocket this little tract that I wrote, and I put it in your bulletin. And I said, you know, uh, we can't discuss all these things here, but I'd like to give this to you, if you don't mind, for your consideration. Would you study Jesus? Would you do that? He said, yes. Yeah, I'll do that. This is really interesting. I think he was attracted to my own story of why I was so interested in Jesus, but, but what was even more important to me was that he would study Jesus himself. And this is how the church of Jesus Christ for centuries after century has simply witnessed of its faith in Jesus. And it's what this woman at the well does after she's got her water and finished the conversation. She goes back to her people, back to her town, and she tells them her story. And many people, it says in verse 30 uh, and 39, are drawn to Jesus because of her. And it makes me ask the question, who will be drawn to Jesus Christ through you? Because you see, we read in verse 29, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. I love that phrase. They made their way toward him. People don't come to Christ immediately. You don't simply plug in faith. It may happen for some people instantaneously. These folks made their way. The people that you witness to, though, they will make their way. 
And many believed because of the woman's testimony. And here's something for your consideration. Everyone who knows Jesus has a testimony. Every one of you has a story to tell, a unique story of your life, an encounter with the Lord. A testimony seems like an old-fashioned word, but it's helpful if you think, do I have a testimony? The answer is, of course you do. And it follows a simple three-point outline. My life before I encountered Christ. How I encountered Christ. My life since I've encountered Christ. That's really, that's the outline. It's not rocket science. Let me say that for you again. My life before Christ. I had struggles. I had doubts. I had sins. I had failure. I have baggage. And then I studied Christ and I encountered Christ. Here's how I came. Maybe it was through a church. Maybe it was in a college fellowship. Maybe it was through a trusted friend or a parent or a grandparent. And then I came to faith. And now since I've come to faith in Christ, I have such relief at knowing my sins are forgiven. I have hope for life after death. I have a new road map for what's important in life. And the rat race is no longer what just governs me. And, and you, you, you fill in the blanks. You explain that. That's your story. That's your testimony. What did this woman tell them about? Well, here it is in a nutshell. We don't have the full story except she said, he talked about my whole life. But maybe she goes back to the townspeople and she says, I went to the well and I met this gentleman there, and he initiated a personal relationship with me. And we had something in common. We both needed water. Point of contact. There was a point of contact. We both needed water. And then before you know it, we were discussing spiritual things, and he was talking with me about issues about my own life. And he, it just seemed so natural to be honest with him about things that were going on in my life and until he started to speak about my spiritual condition and then I actually was a little bit threatened by it and I started to do a dance and if you read earlier in the in the passage she tried to change the subject it was a little bit threatening but he wouldn't let me get away from what mattered and we talked about the worship of God and how God the Father seeks worshipers and about the thirsts in our soul, and suddenly he presented himself to me as the living water. And you know what? I drank. I drank. I mean, I feel like I've had an encounter with the Lord. And nobody knows me like Jesus. Nobody knows me like him. I think he's the Christ because I know a prophet when I see one. Maybe you should meet him too. And that's the conversation that she had. My point here right at the beginning of this sermon is that your testimony has an impact. We should pray for an impact. Look, you're, you're maybe nervous about sharing your story. We're all 
vulnerable when it comes to talking to other people about Jesus. <laughs> and maybe you say, yeah, but look at me, I'm no grand example. And I think, frankly, I think that's why God gave us the story of this woman, because her life was scandalous, right? Her, if you know the story, her life was scandalous, and she'd been with many men. And, and you know, she was not pre- able to present herself as this noble, perfect person, but it didn't matter to her. She overcame her reluctance, and you need to overcome your reluctance to share your story. You see, what is it that holds us back? Well, it can be messy. They might not like us. They don't really need it. After all, they have enough money, and they're, they're handsome or beautiful, or they're Life seems to be going just well. I don't think they really need the Lord. And that's the devil whispering in your ear. Because Elias and Christine have sung the song up here. People need the Lord. That beautiful song. People need the Lord. Do you believe that? What about the person that has loads of money in the bank? Do they need the Lord? What about the person who is physically strong and handsome. Do they need the Lord? What about the person who's angry and, and holds you off at a distance? Do they need the Lord? Everybody needs the Lord. Well, you have an influence far beyond what you know. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short. You have a network of relationships that you can speak to. And look what happens. Point number two, you help people in your circle of relationships study Jesus. Verse 40, that's just what happened. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And then because of his words, they encounter him. And this is really beautiful. This is, this is the next step. And the story, the focus of the story changes. If you're a filmmaker, you know how you move from one focus to another. And an artful filmmaker knows how to change the focus of the story. And look what we see here. Verse 39, it says, Because of her words, stuff's happening. But now in verse 41, we read, Because of his words, many more became believers. And this is where it gets really exciting and where it's really beautiful. See, I enjoyed telling the guy sitting next to me about my own story, my own relationship with the Lord. But what really matters is not what he thinks about me, right? What really matters is not what the other folks think about you. What really matters is that we get them studying Jesus. Get them alert, awake, aware. We live in a culture that is largely illiterate, don't we, about spiritual things. The Bible, if you ever watch the Jeopardy, if you ever watch the TV show Jeopardy, they have these different categories. And what is the one category that they, all these contestants almost always get completely wrong? Bible 
stories, Bible trivia. It is absolutely amazing. I watched the college championship round, the best and the brightest of all the universities, a couple weeks ago. And Bible categories, they missed all five questions. They didn't know who Noah was. Friends, we're up against, we're up against a, a, a significant illiteracy when it comes to the things of the Lord. So what do you do? You get them uh, to consider Jesus. Now, you might choose to use something like this. If you do, we have more of them downstairs for you. Um, read it out loud with them. We've, we have them free of, free of charge for you to take them. But as a church family, what we believe, we want to provide multiple opportunities for you to encourage other people to study Jesus. So Good Friday is coming up. It's a great evening to invite someone. Easter, of course. People are willing to go to church on Easter Sunday. Invite a guest and sit with them. And a month from now, we're going to initiate what we call Christianity Explored. And that, my friends, is is something we did two years ago. We actually have a new and improved curriculum uh, for that. And uh, and the the Christianity Explored will be on either Wednesday or Thursday nights. The elders, we haven't decided yet, but it will be church night. And all small groups will say, come, have a meal together. And then we're going to study from the Gospel of Mark the identity of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. And wouldn't it be wonderful if someone in your networks, someone where you live, someone from where you work, someone from where you play, a classmate from school will come and have a meal with us and and see a good short video discussion and open the Bible, maybe for the first time. We'll give them a Bible and let them study Jesus. Now, if you come and You already went to Christianity Explored and you didn't bring somebody. Well, we also have something called Discipleship Explored. We're going to have two tracks that night. So everybody should come anyway. But, oh, wouldn't it be great if you brought someone and then you sat with them while we open the Gospel of Mark and just study Jesus. You know, at the bottom of your, the back of your sermon outline, I have a little website. It's called www.cjesus.net. S-E-E-J-E-S-U-S. And that's a website run by a fellow named Paul Miller who wrote a book. Uh, Paul was an elder of our church in Philadelphia. He wrote a book called Love Walked Among Us. And what's so beautiful about this book is it's simply a tool for studying Jesus. He's led hundreds and hundreds of people to a new relationship with the Lord through his, these little seminars and through this book. And All he does, it's, it's not so novel. It's so obvious. Why are we so slow to do this? Just helping people see Jesus. But we've got to do this as a church, and I, I hope you'll be a part of that with us. Now, If you do, you become an evangelist. (gasps) There, I said it. I said the word that causes your skin to crawl a little on the back of your neck. You're an evangelist. And what do you think of when you think of an evangelist? The guy on TV, you know, with with the tears running down his cheeks and the big hair and the fancy uh, suit and, and... Oh... 
The word evangelist simply means bearer of good news. The evangel is the good news. An evangelist is just somebody who has good news. So you are one. You are one because you have good news. We believe that when you do uh, your evangelism, you need to do it like we do in this church. And what we teach is uh, from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6. And you'll see that passage on the back of your program, on the back of your sermon outline, or, and uh, also on the reflection. You see, the epistles often interpret for us the stories of the Gospels. They put meat on the bones. And what this woman was doing uh, was described in 2 Corinthians 4. And Paul uses phrases like this when he talks about our evangelism. He says, we do not use deception. It means we have integrity. And uh, brothers and sisters, we're straight with people. We're Presbyterians. Presbyterians are known for being forthright. And that's a good thing. We don't use deception. We're genuine, sincere. We're not trying to manipulate them. And we do not distort the word of God. Paul says this is very important. You know, we preach the whole counsel of God. That even includes the hard stuff, things about sin. You know, if you just go out and say, if you come to Jesus, your visa bill will be paid in a week. Well, that's, that's not necessarily true. You come to Jesus, we'll study the Bible, and we'll learn how your visa bill got so big, and we'll learn new principles for how you can reduce that debt load that you're carrying in a godly way. Sure, that will be true, but, but we talk about our sins and, yeah, maybe your sin too. And uh, we talk about repentance, we talk about hell, and we talk about the hard things. But we do it with fidelity to the Word of God. And then humility. Paul says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And as we come up to Christianity Explored, listen, friends, as you invite someone, uh, this is in the training material, this is in the material for us as a church. There, you've been trained. You do your inviting with these three things in mind. Go to your neighbor, but go with integrity, go with fidelity, go with humility. This woman did it's, it's written all across the, the page, her sincerity, her integrity, her fidelity, her humility. They studied Jesus. For them, it wasn't a, a short airplane flight conversation. It was for two days they studied with him. Sometimes it's longer, isn't it? But I'm glad he showed us that there's a, there's a time period. And then... This leads us to point number three. Because of his words, no longer just your words, they will come to know that he is the Savior of the world. What a relief. You know, I do my part, but then God does his part. You do your part, but then God does his part. And you know what's really frustrating? It's when we get confused about this. If I think it's up to me to make them believe, that's going, to be, that's going to be really hard. But if I only say, well, it's up to God somehow to tell them this message. He doesn't need me. Well, yeah, but he has appointed me. You can't get them confused. 
You do your part. You give your testimony. You encourage people to study Jesus. Then God, God will do his part. And something amazing happens. Jesus says in John 6.63, The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And that's what happens. The words of Christ erupt inside people's souls and give new meaning to life in relationship with him. And the Samaritans, who are the Samaritans? Well, they were different people. They were different from the Jews. They were a tribe unto themselves, and their religion, their worship, all that was different. This is really, really important for you to understand. In the ancient world, tribes had their own gods, their own deity with a small d. All right? And that was just the way everybody thought about it. You guys have your God, we have our God. And so when the Samaritans say that they discovered that he is the Savior of the world, they're saying something very profound. He's not anybody's tribal deity. He is the Lord of the nations. And so the Bible teaches that everywhere, doesn't it? Christ is the Lord of the nations. And people out of every tribe and every tongue and every, every uh, nation will come to saving faith in him. We are guaranteed that. You know, at the end of 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6, Paul says it's like something's going on. And it's like when God said, let light shine out of darkness. He's saying of your conversion that it was like when God said, let light shine out of darkness. Does anybody remember what he's talking about? Where in the Bible is, is he referring to? He's referring to all the way back to Genesis 1, to creation. When God spoke everything into existence, when he said, let there be light, that most amazing moment when the Creator King uttered His order, His command, let there be light. Whoosh! There was light. The first, the great act of creation. You know what he says here about your conversion? He made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? in the face of Christ. And I love this. God calls us to testify. We do our part. And then he does his part. Jesus said to us, let your light so shine before men. Remember, that was three weeks ago, three Sundays ago. Let your light shine so the people see it, they hear it. Then Martin last week told us about the Gadarene demoniac, didn't he? And that poor man who was delivered from all the demons. And then Jesus says, go. Go to your family. Go to your town and tell them. And now today, this woman is revived by Jesus. And revival leads to mission. Revival leads to mission. And she is on board with just telling others about Jesus Christ. And God does his part. And they are changed. Now, as I finish... I just want to say that 
I'm very serious about this little insert in your bulletin. I'm very serious about this little set of this little Venn diagram that describes for us the culture and the mission of our church. And I need to ask you, I need to ask you, do you believe that we sitting here reflect this culture in our church? That we want to celebrate. What does that mean, church? It means that we are a worshiping people. We're a worshiping community. And I think we have that down in many good ways. We're not perfect in it, but all our home fellowship groups, all our prayer meetings, every Sunday we come here and we are serious about worshiping God, right? We love his face. We sing to him. We bless his name. We're a worshiping people. If you look at that bottom circle, it says cultivate. We are a nurturing community. And I think one of the beautiful things about you is that you are connected one to another in the life of this church. And we have people who just, we really help and encourage each other. We support each other. Our children are safe in each other's homes. Our teenagers are bonded together. They have great friendship and fellowship together. You know, we're, we, we say, hey, here's where I'm struggling, and we weep together. We share our resources together. I, I think there is a, we're a nurturing church. It's, we're not perfect, but that's in our DNA. But you know that third circle? Communicate. We are a missional church. I'm not sure that we have it. I do think we are friendly to people who come in. I do think we have some echo of that in our souls. But, brothers and sisters, perhaps it is a failure of leadership. Perhaps it is a failure of prayer. Perhaps it's a failure of faith. But I'm not sure it's in our DNA yet the way God wants it to be. We are a missional people. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Is that in your soul? Is that gripping you? He is sending you into this world. You do not just go to pay your bills. You do not just live to watch television. You do not live just for comfort. As the Father sent me, so I send you, he says. And people are going into a Christless eternity. And just because they have money in the bank or drive a nice car or are physically fit, it doesn't mean they don't need him. People need the Lord. Who do you know? What can you do? He wants you to be his agent. That's his message. That's his method. Why he entrusted it to us, I don't know. But he has. We must do it. We must. I beg you. Pray for those divine appointments. Pray. What can you do? Like the woman who goes to her people, what can you do to help them study Jesus? Let's be very practical. Pray for divine appointments. Make it a part of your daily routine to pray, God, who's going to cross my path today that I can give a word of encouragement, that I can point to Jesus? Number two, tell my story. As Pastor Martin said last week, your cousin is much more likely to hear about 
Jesus Christ from you than from him or from me. It would be strange for Martin or me to walk into your cousin's house and start telling them about Jesus. But you, you're welcome to go to your cousin's house, your colleague's house, your classmate's home, and tell them or to invite them. And then give them something to read. Again, maybe it's this little pamphlet or something that you have. Give them something to read or read it with them. And then invite them and sit with them at Good Friday, at Easter, or at Christianity Explored. Will we do our part? I pray we will. Let's say yes to him right now. Let's say yes. We'll confess our cowardice. We'll confess our fear, our reluctance. And we will say, yes, Lord, I hear today. You said, as the Father sent me, I send you. Let's say yes. Okay? And then let's watch God do his part. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came on that first great divine mission. That what a mission! to recapture a renegade planet, to bring hope, to bring forgiveness, to bring peace with God to all who will humble themselves under your mighty hand. And so, our Father, we pray you will help us. We pray you will help us to do our part, to let our light shine, unashamed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.